Welcome to No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. This is episode 25, but more importantly, episode 3 of our trilogy to a preview of the 2015-2016 basketball season. Michael Bryan from the Sun-Times. As always, I got Joe Henriksen here with me. Uh, I think Joe's feeling a little better this week. <laughs> well, we're one day away from the season. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, it's a, a weird we Sunday taping, morning. Yeah, yeah taping uh, one day earlier today because we'll be at games tomorrow. So, um, But no, it's, you know, it's a great time of the year, Mike, because we get into the Thanksgiving tournaments and we get to see all these teams well, we, that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Yeah, I'm, I've officially had burnout of writing and blathering about teams I've never seen play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's time to watch some basketball. Um, we're going to start out with the questions. Uh, we've got, I think, three or four questions from listeners. Then we're going to go into our three, each Joe and I are each going to pick our three top storylines to watch this season. Um, then we're going to do our all-state team. Each of us will pick one, and then our player of the year pick. So things might get a little controversial if you stick around to the end. I know I was hearing feedback, <laughs> shall we say, about my All-State team pretty much all year last year. So, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm way less confident oh, in this year's. Over your preseason? Yeah, yeah. It was a, and, and guess who everybody had a problem with? Who? Nick. Uh, Nick Rekasevich, who won a state title and looked pretty good by the end. <laughs> but midway through, they're like, ah, you put Nick on your all-state team <laughs> in the preseason. Well. It turned out all right. <laughs> um, so that's a preview of my all-state It team. is preseason. <laughs> that's right. Um, all right, uh, questions. First one is from Kevin Swan. He's a good friend of the podcast. I've met Kevin a couple times. I think it's Simeon, actually. I think I've seen him at a few um, CPS games at Simeon. He has a a question I think a lot of people have. Um, Who are the top transfers from out of state to watch? And is there a Marcus Levette-type player out there? There's definitely not a Marcus Levette-type player, Mike. I mean, there's uh, Marcus Levette was a a star. He was an instant player of the year type uh, candidate from the moment you watched him in the fall prior to the season last year. So there's nobody of that type of impact. There are a bunch of different, you know, smaller player level players that have come from out of state that no one's even talked about. I'll give you an example, like a, a David Walls at uh, Bogan. He's a six foot two athletic guard. He was at Bogan actually prior to leaving and going to Indiana for a year or two. He's come back. You know, Arthur Goodwin's really high on him. You know, thinks he can play a big role and a big part in, in, in for that Bogan team. But I would say the two biggest out-of-state transfers are both underclassmen, so it may take them some time to, one, get used to you know basketball where they're now playing it at, which is going to be in the public league, and two, just maturing naturally because they're sophomores. And that's uh, Landis Nolly, a six-foot-four Two guard wing at Curie. He transferred in from Atlanta, Georgia. He uh, caught a glimpse of him. He is a talented kid who can knock down shots from the perimeter, long, rangy. He's going. It's gonna be interesting to see how big of a part he plays early on because they've got some perimeter players, obviously with Devin Gage, Elijah Joyner, uh, Pickens there at, at, at Curie. So, but before it's all said and done, he's gonna be a. He's gonna make an impact. And then the other one is Devin R. Glass, who was the MVP of the recent uh, All-Star game at Pangos this fall. He's at Simeon. He transferred. He's a six foot six, long, agile, three, four. You know, he's a true three, I guess, a wing. And, you know, he's, you know, he's raw 
But boys, he got a huge upside, and he's at Simeon, and he's going to have to kind of weed his way through all of the the long line of talented players of Simeon, which you know it's going to be interesting to see that alone who in that sophomore group can make an impact at Simeon. But Devin Aaron Glass is one to watch for sure because he, he's just got so much athleticism, length, and activity. Yeah, I was out at Simeon on Thursday at practice. He definitely passed the look test. He was impressive. Although he's as thin as Glass, or as, as Kenneth Perkins was last year, he is real thin. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops but yeah he 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 was something else um also simeon's got james gordon who's a toledo commit so he is a d1 player Um, yeah and you know simeon with james gordon and um devin r glass i mean i i just think we've talked about in the past mike like how does rob smith utilize all these pieces and 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 get down to his core guys uh, and he's got time to play that out. He can, you know, he'll see plenty throughout the season, and then Pontiac, and then you get into the Red South. But it, it, there's just so many players that are kind of an equal talent level, and it's going to be, you know, his job to to to, we, to figure that out. Yeah, I was talking with him at practice on Thursday, and ask I asked him that question. You know, what he what it would be right now the starting lineup. He was kind of going through it, and you know, it, it ends up being small. The players that he's been most impressed with in practice so far uh, kind of a small lineup he's actually got zach norvell playing the four right now with that lineup which would be interesting but well they got a big they got a big hole to fill in. i mean you lose a ed morrow inside at the high school level that is a monster replacement uh, yeah, to mean, try to find the equal kids, that is, you couldn't be more the kids that are used to playing with him are used to having that on the right. court with them, and that's going to be such a huge. It's like, wait, we aren't getting every other rebound. In right, the I mean, game? that's 12, 13 rebounds a game. You're, you know, he's a factor defensively, blocking shots. But you know, breaking down Simeon for another day. But all right, um, this uh, next one is from Jack Gleason, a good friend of the podcast and a good friend in general. He does a lot of the work you see on the website, schedules and scores and stuff like that. Um, he says, you and Joe see 100-plus games a year. What kinds and types of games are the ones you really look forward to seeing? Or when you look back at a completed year, what games stand out? Is it hype, rankings, location, new places, obscure matchups? I think you and I have, well, varying different differences in this. I know you love, <laughs> and to a certain point I do, you love the public league and watching those games. I, I do because of the competitiveness <clears throat> the the just the I don't know they just get after it but it's not always the cleanest I love clean basketball <laughs> and to me <clears throat> excuse me that is what I love uh, a crisp clean basketball game played at a high level that those are my favorite games to watch uh, sometimes you don't always get the crisp clean matchup in the public league and sometimes I walk away and I'm like yeah it was entertaining. They went down to the wire. They they just went after each other and competed at a high level, and there's athletes all over the floor. Um, and, and it's not to say you don't ever get that by any means, but uh, there's you'll get a little of your share of ragtag basketball at times. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I just like those high-level and, – and it doesn't necessarily have to be a star player. I think that enhances it and adds to it. But – I don't necessarily have to have that uh, elite player in the game for me to enjoy a high school basketball game. 
Yeah, that I think that's a good point. I um, you know, I was looking at this question, thinking about a lot of games. You know, what I remembered over the years. But I, I think the criteria for what what I look forward to seeing is pretty simple. I don't. It doesn't matter to me what conference it is and really who's playing. I like it to be in the hometown of one of the schools, and I like there to be students there and, mm-hmm. a, and a big crowd. To me, once you've got that atmosphere, it doesn't matter if nobody's going to play D1 basketball you know, in the future, as long as it's a good game. You know, obviously, that always helps. I mean, you guys have all heard me rant. I hate the stuff that's for evaluation and in big, empty arenas and six games in a row with no fans there for anybody and nobody cheering and everybody just you know trying to see who's going to be the next college star that's what really turns me off i mean mm-hmm. i remember some for some reason i remember a geneva yorkville game from 10 years ago <laughs> at yorkville that was just packed and great and i'm sure none of those kids are playing basketball anymore i don't even <laughs> remember who won but that place was hopping it was so much fun that's the kind of atmosphere i like and it, it, we can really Shove any teams out there, and I'll be happy with that. So, unfortunately, I will get none of that this week. <laughs> but, uh, it'll be a lot well, of empty That games. is hard to find in Thanksgiving anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, you're, you're, that, that, that's one of the things I don't like about Thanksgiving tournaments is, I don't know, it's kind of, it's the opening of the season. It's exciting, but there's kind of a little bit of a hiatus among the student. You know, you'll get like your 12 rambunctious kids in the entertaining that show up, but uh, that band is, is out of lost. Town. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Marion. They did, Marion did a really nice job last year. I shouldn't say. I don't. I don't know if they'll be able to bring it back, but um, Marion Catholic has brought a pretty nice crowd in the last few years to that Chicago Heights Classic. Um, all right, the final question from Rennell Chapman. I think gets a question in just about every time. Uh, he says, "Loves the podcast. I'm happy to see the coaches united against violence movement taking action to promote awareness and change. Where do you see this movement headed? And if success continues, do you think we'll see more support come in on a larger scale and all CPS sports coaches joining the movement?" Um, you know, it's been fun. I've been watching that kind of movement start up. Um, Bill Curry from Westinghouse, he's the basketball coach at Westinghouse. He doesn't like to take much credit for this or act like the leader. He wants it to be a committee thing of everybody, but he is the one of the driving forces behind it. Um, Vince Carter from Von Steuben does a lot. And I think, you know, they've done about all they can do. You know, they, they keep doing more, this group, but more coaches need to join. And, you know, we need more prominent ones. It needs to be more than just 12 to 15 coaches to me. That well, so, yeah. The more, the, the more, the better. And you, you mentioned Bill Curry, Mike, you know, he, he is, a, he is absolutely wonderful for high school basketball. And I, he gives back. Yes. He's trying to rebuild Westinghouse, but he gives back the community to the kids. And I, I can't say enough about all the things that I've heard of what he does outside of practice outside of games. Yeah, the block where he um, he lives right over there and where his breakthrough urban ministries is, that block in Garfield Park, you would just be shocked by it. Every time I go park my car to go over there, you know, it's not a place you normally want to hang out, but he's changed literally an entire tiny slice of the world. It, it's very impressive. Um, other thing I would say, it'd be nice to see the CPS try to get involved more. You know, there's never been any CPS higher-ups at any of this stuff. Um, the, uh, some police always show up from the neighborhood, but that's about it. But yeah, we need some important people, I think, to come around and get this a little bit more press, other than just me uh, in the Sun Times. 
All right, that's it for the questions. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we are going to need some more for next week when the season gets going. You can send those to my email. It's mobrien, M-O-B-R-I-E-N, at suntimes.com. And uh, it's time to hit the three storylines for this big, long season about to start up. Uh, you want to start it up, Joe? What's your first? Well, <clears throat> the first for me is the un- the unknown. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um the unknown, the uncertainty that is going to play out this year. And by that, I just mean, the, you look back over the last, uh, the recent history, five, six, seven years, you're talking about bona fide, legitimate favorites, particularly in 4A. You're talking about not a whole lot of debate in player of the year. Yes, Jaleel Okafor, Cliff Alexander had a little run. Uh, you know, but, you know, last year, everybody. Stevenson or Simeon, it was basically one of those two. Stevenson, Stevenson distanced themselves from everybody. Jalen Brunson was player of the year. I mean, from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And there was no questions about it. Prior to that, Whitney Young with Julio Loco for. Was anybody really going to beat them? You go back to the Simeon four-year run. So, I mean, there was just... Yes, you could build up, you know, the New York Yankee philosophy of trying to beat beat off the top dog, but this year there isn't that. There, there's no transcendent stars. That's kind of bad, but because you like to watch that, but it, it's a wide open player of the year race that you could throw a bunch of players in that mix. You could probably say Charlie Moore is maybe the favorite, but I just see a wide open four A where anybody could win it. Uh, not, you know, 12, 10, 12 teams. I realistically think that. And player of the year is wide open. Now, 3A is a little bit different. Belleville Altoff is, is the team to beat, but Morgan Park's going to be right there too. So, But I, I just think the uncertainty and the unknown is, is going to be fun to see it play out, and that's the storyline for me, number one. Nice, yeah. Totally agree with all that. that that'll that be a, a nice change. Mine is it's about the superstar question, and, it's, I guess it's putting a little much on these two players, these two kids, but it's will Nogel Eastern and Justin Smith become superstars? You know, I look, and to me, those are the two players, even more so than anybody in the senior class, that really has a chance to become a big national name with their play this year. You know, we've seen definitely from Nogel Eastern that he has that ability. He's just got to do it consistently. And we've seen enough from Smith that we know it could be there. And now that this is his team, um, maybe he can take that step forward and become, you know, that really high-level national player in the class of 2017 that we just don't have in 2016. And I think that would really kind of juice things up around the area, especially in the offseason, after the season, you know, to have those recruitments going on. And so that's my first storyline. Will those either one of those two become a big-time star? Yeah, and from that 2017, I mean, it's been pumped up pretty good. The It took a major hit with a loss of Jeremiah Tillman and Lonzo Verge, but you're right. <clears throat> There's going to be two or three guys, inevitably, that step up in that class that raise their level to the point of all-state consideration, putting their team on their backs, car- carrying them when March comes around. But who will it be? You know, those are two good names. <clears throat> My next one is the opportunity for programs – who have never been there, uh, or or it's been a real real long time since they've been there. You know, we've got teams in your rankings, Mike, and mine that have been coming out that ha- have never been there, or 
have never reached a certain point. Teams even in the top 10. I mean, look at like a Riverside Brookfield. They won their first sectional last year, but they've never reached state. It's a realistic goal for them. Uh, Fenwick won back-to-back sectionals in the Corey Maggette days in 97, 98, but they haven't been back. Uh, they haven't been back since Corey Maggette. Curie, who I call probably the best program, and maybe you disagree or agree, I don't know, the best program, the most success, that has not won a sectional. Uh, I, you know, Kenwood, they've been new to the scene. They've never won a sectional. Uh, and you go on and on and on. You know, Bogan, these great teams over the last three, four years haven't been able to reach Peoria. Uh, Bradley Bourbonnais in, in first 21-win season last year in 20 years. They haven't won a regional since 1999, haven't won a sectional since 1993. Uh, here they are sitting there with th- that goal. Oak Park, been 40 years since their last sectional championship. They have a chance to, to end that, that streak. Um, you know, it goes on and on, Mike. And, I, you know, uh, for a program like Marion Catholic, <laughs> you know, they, they experienced March success with Tyler Euless, but it's a program that still has not gotten past the hump and made, made it to state. One of these teams, I think, are going to do it, if not two of them, uh, as far as reaching Peoria. And a lot of these teams are going to surpass some of the things they haven't been able to in the last decade or two decades. And I, I think that's that's always fun for me to watch these programs progress and do some things that generate excitement in their community as well as a school. And just kind of shines a light on somebody new. I like things that are fresh, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to this year. That dovetails nicely into my uh, storyline is that I wonder – <laughs> I'm the one that ranked a lot of these teams. Um, I mean, specifically, my storyline is kind of the Southwest Suburban Red. You got, I got Lincoln Way West 12, Bradley Bourbon A10. And will they live up to it? You know, like you said, these are programs that really haven't been there, haven't been there in a long time. Or when we look back in two, three months, is it going to be Thornton, West Aurora, Hillcrest, Proviso East, and all of our usual suspects? kind of bumping out these guys who we think are going to have a good year or, or who could have a good year. I think there's a pretty good chance that that might happen. Those teams all have talent, you know, the ones I talked about. Even Thornwood, every year, you know, we're not ranking them. They wind up in there. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see if these new faces can hold off, you know, the old guard because I'm not sure that the gap is really that big between them right now. We're just used to the old guard having some some bigger names maybe. I think what helps those types of teams is that they did have, I don't know what you call it, not marginal success, above average success last year, and, and they got a little bit of a taste of that high-level competitiveness. No, they didn't win sectional titles and or even conference championships like a Bradley or a Lincoln Way West. But, you know, they won 20 games. Um, actually, did Lincoln Way West win a regional, though, didn't they? They won a regional. They lost the sectional or, final yeah. to Hillcrest. I mean, it was so, I mean, 3A, but... Yeah, I mean, so they did get a taste. That's why it alleviates a little bit of those yeah. question marks for me, but you're right. Um, my third storyline goes back to, well, what you started, individual players. And I find Nick Rakosevich's situation so intriguing and so rare. Uh, and I'm pulling for him to kind of just wipe the slate clean. Because you're talking about a kid who's the number one ranked player in the class at one point. He was a consensus top 50 player in the country. 
and pushing towards top 30, top 25 with high major interest, a ton of offers. And he, he's not ranked. He's not in a top 100 as we speak right now. Um, you know, a lot of that is good and bad as far as the summer and the spring, the AAU competition and, and, and the play. But you're, you're talking about a kid who's six foot 11, who, like you mentioned, won a state championship. If I recall, he, you know, he was a major piece, a major part of that game. Yeah, I think he went 17 and 11 and impacted that championship game. So, I mean, you're talking about a player who is still got talent. He's still six foot 11. He still has a resume to fall back on. Now it's a matter of him, you know, taking it to the level that many expected. And I think he, he too, uh, expects of himself. So, Watching Nick Rakosevich become the player that we think he can be and be more of a dominant figure on a consistent basis at the high school level is the one individual player storyline. And, and I'm pulling for him because I think high school kids do get a little bit too, how should I put this, uh, ridic- not ridiculed, what's the word I'm looking for, just overanalyzed yeah. because they're still <clears throat> they're still in that development process especially big kids so and I'm pulling for him to have a a, a big senior year and, and kind of forget all of the negatives that have kind of been thrown his way yeah as somebody who doesn't watch the summer stuff it's completely perplexing to me because you know he had some ups and downs during the season but boy did he finish the season strong you know the, the whole run he was that good and i think one of the issues with Nick is that he doesn't fit into the boxes of the normal high school basketball star. He's a different person. You know, he's not necessarily going to go, he's not a lemming in any way, you know, and he's one of those kids. And we've seen these kids occasionally who, you know, maybe they don't want to play basketball seven games a day, every day, all spring and summer. You know, maybe they have other things going on. Maybe they think the high school season is more important. You know, they're not as worried about that game in Fort Wayne on a Saturday morning. And the coaches don't like that. I mean, I know that. You know that. The college coaches aren't into that sort of thing. You're supposed This gamer mentality wins where every game is supposed to be do or die. It, it, the fact that you're not like that doesn't mean you, you won't succeed in college, in my mind. Yes, it might not be the great, greatest sign for some things, but if Nick can have a solid senior year, you know, and none of the, no suspensions, none of that stuff, no rumors about quitting the team, just put together a solid senior year and play at the same he did, as he did last year. I think people don't realize just how good he was at, at times last year. He was really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be super fun to watch. Um, my last storyline, kind of a, a weird one, um, holiday tournaments. Um, our accepted holiday tournament landscape is in severe flux. Um, Proviso West is back, you know, shrunk back down to normal sized. Hinsdale Central, you know, took a lot of their teams, started their own tournament. We've still got the massive York thing going on over there. So that's three tournaments within, wow, God, what is it, a half an hour drive um, of each other? Can I don't see how the fan base can support all three. They're going on at the same time, pretty much. I think something might have to give there. So I think that's something to watch for sure. Then we got what's going on down south. The Dipper, the McDipper's in some trouble. There's a lot of things happening at Rich South. I know some teams have already left. They don't. Nobody knows what's going on with it next year. 
So that's a huge part of the South Suburban basketball landscape that we have to watch. And then kind of the last part of this storyline is the coverage. You know, the Sun-Times, I'm sure you guys have all noticed our coverage is scaled back. It's just me out there. Same thing with the Tribune-owned suburban papers and the Tribune. So we, we've got a situation where we've got all these holiday tournaments, some of them trying to rise to prominence. We've got the out-of-town ones like Pontiac. Meanwhile, the coverage of all of it is going way, way down. People aren't going to be reading about this stuff online or in the papers like they used to. So, so I think we're at the start of an interesting period where something's got to give with the holiday tournament. Some are going to rise, some are going to fall, and our old guard of you know, the four tournaments we all knew was the, were the big deal is going to change. It's a real downer, actually, just to see just the change. I mean, they are obviously they're none of them are what they used to be, but uh, I think Pontiac has probably stayed the closest and truest to what it's always been. But that was usually the time for high school basketball junkies, and like you said, it's it's those three tournaments. I I don't like the idea of it. I'll be jumping around back and forth. I guess saves miles in the car, uh, but. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, the Proviso West tournament has seriously lost its luster. Well, how, how they, how they, how they, how it went down is bad. You know, let's be frank here. Proviso West has become a very urban feeling field, and Hinsdale Central very suburban. Mm-hmm. And we don't need that. We need the crossover mixture. Mix yes. Yeah, and and that's the exact opposite of what's happened. So I think that's a real shame. Well, I, and you know what? Really, I mean. I, the kiss of death to me, to Proviso West. I mean, you, one, the, the 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 expansion of the tournament was just bad. It's uh, 32 teams that year. I mean, I, so many coaches, and I'm talking a lot of them, hated it. And that was the first big problem. And then they started leaving. They they wanted to get out of it. They're like done. I, so, and then losing Joe Spagnolo at Proviso West, who was starting up the Hinsdale Central tournament. Um, is, is another shot to the tournament and the organization of it and the and the profile uh, and the perception of it as well. All right, so those are six storylines for you guys to uh, look forward to and watch and monitor. Maybe we should check back in with some of this stuff. I'll save this notebook and we can check back in near the end of the season see how it all turned out. It's all state team time. I had a really difficult time with this. Um, I didn't. Oh, all right. Well, That's- in, in some a couple spots, but um, then you should go first. Well, I mean Charlie Moore is a no-brainer, and he's my player of your favorite. Uh, kind of give away the next little mini segment at the end here. He, he will be my player of the year, but uh, you know I think he's a no-brainer. He's going to be the one guy who is going to be playing for a high-profile team in big-time events with major production and have a little bit of that excitement, electricity that goes with him. So Charlie Moore is a no-brainer to me. Uh, I'm going with Nick Rukosevich. Um, I, I think he's going to be a, a, a huge factor all year long. I, I think he's going to come back with a chip on his shoulder and, and play this season out. So there you go, Nick. There, <laughs> back me up. So I, I got him in one spot. And I got very rare. I got two true big men: Barrett Benson, Hinsdale South, six foot ten. His team, he could get lost in this in the luster of teams that are, are are competing for championships and are in the headlines. And Hinsdale South might not be in that mix, and that may hurt him. 
I think last year, I think he was a little bit underrated, especially in the second half of the year as far as production. He was highly productive in the second half of the season, especially. I think he ended up averaging like 19 or 20, 18, 19, 20, and 11, 12 rebounds. So I think Barrett Benson, uh, as a senior, is going to be a matchup nightmare for teams. Uh, so he's my uh, other big. And then I've got Jordan Goodwin from Belleville Altoff on my All-State team. I think he's an absolute no-brainer. I think he's the best high school basketball player in the junior class. He is a dominant figure. We don't get to see him play much in the Chicago, well, not at all, Chicago area fans. You really got to travel to go see him play. But Altoff is a state title contender. He is, I think he's going to be a legit uh, statewide player of the year candidate as a junior. Just because his numbers, I mean, he fills a stat sheet. He's a winner. He's tough. He's competitive. He showed it last year as a sophomore. He's been the most productive player in that class by far uh, over the first two years of high school career. Now, the last spot was was tricky. I almost will go with a fifth, and I'm throwing a sixth man. I'm going to go with Isaiah Roby from Dixon. Uh, he's another player that people don't get to see. He is fun to watch. He is ultra-skilled at 6'7", six, 6'7 seven, six, seven going to Nebraska, he, he's a phenomenal passer. He's a point forward. Dixon is going to be very good, but again, we're nobody's going to see them play. They'll be, a, I should say, they're going to be very good for a three A team out in the middle of nowhere. But uh, he he is a he is a all state type of talent. Now the guy I bumped off, and I think is my sixth man, is Zach Norvell from Simeon. So he'd be my sixth man, ready to bump either one of those five, or I shouldn't say five, because I think Charlie Moore, Jordan Goodwin are are locks for any All-State team. Yeah, so we have three the same. I think, obviously, Moore and Goodwin are locks, and I think Nick's a lock, too. I got Nick Rokosevich for the second year in a row on my All-State team, and and it really, you, you really have to put him on here, in my mind, when you look at the big men. I mean, you've got to have a big man, and like you said, aside from Barrett Benson, there's nobody even in this conversation. I mean, you, you fall down to, like, Lorenzo Edwards. Well, I think he's going to have a good year, but I'm looking at, you know, the, the centers. I do still like to call people centers. I know that's not popular um, now that recruiting rules the world and all these kids want to play the wing and a forward in college, but, I mean, we do have centers, and those guys just are not the level even that we usually have. So, yeah, easy for those three. Moore, Goodwin, Nick. And now this is where I had some trouble the next two. I went with Nogel Eastern. I think maybe he's going to put it together and have that kind of year. You know, I was looking at some of the seniors, some of the guys you talked about, and, and I, I just feel like Nojel Eastern has more talent. So I got to go with maybe he can put it together and have that kind of year. And then this last one was tough. It was real. I don't. I'm not sure I've ever had this much trouble picking my the, the fifth guy. I mean, I've done this every year for 12 or 15 years in the paper, and I went with my my guy. <laughs> Josh Thomas from Holy Simeon. Holy cow. Yeah. He um <laughs> he sold me even more when I was at the Simeon practice. I'll give you guys a teaser, a, a column coming up on in the next couple of weeks or so. But do you know what? Josh, Josh Thomas is pretty soft-spoken. And I know most of you probably haven't spoke with him. Guess what he told me his goal was this season? Player of the year. <laughs> yeah. He said he's not going to try. He said he's going to win player of the year. I mean, it, he was that confident about it. And pe- kids don't just say that. <laughs> because they think it's cool. You know, he, he he wanted me to know 
that that is what he's going to do this year. Rob Smith confirmed because he knows you're that you're his biggest fan. Yeah, I, I don't know. Rob Smith confirmed he's been far and away their best player. In I got practice. Michael Bryan's year. I want Player of the Year. Yeah, so I'm going with him. He oh, he also is. You know, he only has mid-major offers. You know, we were going over that, and he said that's why he he said he's not committing to a mid-major. He said he will have a high major offer by January. And that's I don't want to. I, I, I guess I'll add motivation to him. I will take that bet. But all uh, right, here we all go. The, all the power to him because I, I like Jack. He plays hard. He's tough. He's physical. He he was such an important piece for Simeon last year as far as providing energy and some game changing moments. And you're right. I mean, he, he he's going to have a good senior year. There's no question because he's he's a senior and he and he has those intangibles, but. Um, you know, the skill level is still a work in progress, and that's as far as the recruitment part of it. Um, and, that, and that's what college coaches are, are, are talking and seeing. And but we'll, well, you know, we'll see. It's uh, there's been breakout stars every year that we've all watched high school basketball, and there will be one or two. And and I will tell you, I mean, another recruitment will be interesting is, is to watch Knicks, you know, how oh, that yeah. plays out because. The spring recruiting is way different than any other time of the year. You know, schools lose a player, transfer all the time. You know, there's five, six hundred transfers in college basketball. They lose a man they didn't think. They got to fill. They need a body. They got to. And desperation so, starts. It, it, I mean, a <laughs> lot spring, of colleges yeah. will will throw a, take a flyer in April way more than they would in November. So, you know, we'll see how it plays out with both those guys because. They're both in store for big senior years. I love your Barrett Benson pick. I, I, and you're right. He put up some huge numbers, especially near the end. I just, I'm worried about the team. Like you said, I'm just not sure if they're around 500 or below. It's going to be hard to get him. Right. You know, on an All State team. My, my first guy out um, was Micah Bradford from Bradley Bourbonnet because I think he'll have the combination of the po- the the stats and the team that that could make a nice push for the team. Yeah, and I think as long as no gel Eastern is 100% healthy, and my concern with him, and nobody knows, I mean, I, that he hasn't played really at a high competitive level in six, seven months. So that to me is, I don't know how long it'll take to get back into no gel Eastern mode or even be able to raise his level. Now, I think in, in time, he's going to be that player, whether it be, I don't know, maybe it's out of the box, but January, February, I don't know. You know, my thinking was, will it be, you know, for all state consideration, uh, that high a level all year long or not? So yeah. hopefully it is because I, you know, he's playing for a high profile team that's ranked high and they're playing in some big events. Uh, but some of those big events like the Chicago League Classic, you know, is right around the corner. So Will a player like Nogel Eastern, who has not played in seven months, be able to showcase what he truly is in that event with so many eyes watching him? And or will it be unfairly being like, okay, well he's he's not that talented. You know, I hate when that happens because kids that have the bad showing or they're not physically right, and people write them off in November or December, and uh, it happens, but. But I, I think Nogel is a very viable Hall State candidate, no question. I'll get to see what's happening tomorrow. I'm going to see Mount Carmel and Evanston real soon, so it'll be, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, player of the year, you've already tipped your hand, uh, Mr. Charlie Moore. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I think he is, you know, I'm kind of going back against what my first storyline was of the unknown and uncertainty, but yeah. I, I, I do think he is a, a the favorite. I mean, if you have to say there's a favorite, Mike, I, maybe you're not going with him. We haven't talked about who we were picking, but I don't know how you don't go with him in the preseason. Uh, and again, it goes against what I said, the unknown uncertainty, but that's just saying if you had to pick a favorite, I, I just think his numbers, I, I think he's going to have a monster numbers and yeah, with Morgan park style of play and the, the charisma and, and people, people love Charlie. Uh, he is talked about a lot and both by the way he plays, the way he composes himself. He's a great kid. And, you know, you don't usually go into great kids as part of your old player of the year talk, but uh, he just has a a way about him that you know it, 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 that people and he's small. He just has a whole bunch of stuff that people love, and he produces at a high level for a team that has realistic state title aspirations. Yeah, no doubt, he is. My top choice as well. He does seem. Oh, to, I thought you were going Josh Thomas. No, even hey, he says he's going to do it. So, but we can't make him the favorite just because of that. <laughs> uh, Charlie's definitely the favorite. I, I think in, number to me, it's almost harder to pick a number two candidate because yeah. ev- everybody's so bunched together, and some guys who it could be like you know Nick Rakasevich, or you're not sure about the team because Player of the Year. Let's be honest, you got your team's got to be really, really, really good. Um, as well, it's hard to win it if you're not in literally a top five team at least. Um, so that's going to be tough for a lot of a lot of these players to go. But yeah, it's yeah, it's hard to come up with after that who the other contenders are going to be. I mean, it, it's just a lot of long shots that come could come up if it's not Charlie. But it's a long year. This could look a lot different in a month and a half. And it starts this week. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Thanks everybody for listening. We've. Uh, a reasonable length in this week's podcast after the massive episode last week. We will be back every week all season long, and next time we're actually going to have some real basketball to talk about and discuss. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 